Hello everybody, this is another episode of Catfish Weekly, episode 31. Tonight we got a couple of topics, uh, one being sinkers and the other being uh, deep water fishing. Uh, we got uh, the, the Whiskerware apparel giveaway that we're going to do a little bit later on. And we have a new chat set up. Um, I went ahead and just allowed it right now to allow guests to join. Um, what you need to do is if you log on to our catfishweekly.com, you'll see down on the bottom it says uh, uh, Catfish Weekly Live Chat. You can just click on that to join the chat room. Normally, um, it's going to be set up so that you have to log in uh, with Facebook or actually register. So that way we can see who you are instead of guest. Uh, right now, I do have it set up so that guests can join uh, just to make it easy and we can start to get everybody transitioned to logging in correctly so that way we can we can see who you are. Um, so right now, if, if you guys are trying to figure out how to log in or whatever, you're going to see uh, if you click on the 7 online in the chat room, it brings up a whole box on the right-hand side there. On the top, you'll see two chat rooms. One is just for general chat, and the other one will say uh, for the live show. You'll want to click on that live show, and if you can, log in with Facebook or register and sign in, so that way we can see who you are. That's going to be uh, the only way to log in probably either next week or the week after. We're probably going to give it a couple weeks for people to, to understand how to log in correctly on here. Um, but definitely log in and 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 get into chat so we can hear your questions and you can chat with us during the show and everything. Um, but uh, on to uh, tonight's topics with sinkers. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about styles, different uh, um, types of sinkers, you know, scenarios they might be best used for, or how what we use uh, personally. Uh, maybe a little bit of uh, sinker making talk. You know, some of us have... Uh, have done our own sinker making, some haven't, but a little bit of information about some of that. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about the fishing, the deep water, um, what we do, some things like that. So um, I'd go ahead and say uh, Lyle can start us off talking a little bit about types of styles of sinkers that he uses or what scenarios he uses them in. Well, um we Cindy uses some uh, uh, no rolls, and I do too. Um, but most of the time, what I'm using is just regular bank sinkers. Uh, for using them bouncing, I have them on the bottom and the bait up on, uh, suspended up on just off the bottom. And uh, bank bouncing and stuff, we're using anywhere from one to three ounces normally, depending on current. Uh, if I have a dead stick off to the side, an eight or ten foot rod off to the side, uh, I'll put every, how much ever weight I need on that to where the bait is straight down. Uh, now, if we're anchor fishing, we'll use no rolls or bank sinkers. Or uh, I got some from Dave Ashby at Bottom Dwellers some time ago, and I have a few of those left. He had a special mold made, and we tried those, and they are a no roll style, but they hook on with to a sinker slide and they work really good. Uh, I don't know, I don't have a whole lot of them, but mostly I use bankers, bank sinkers, uh, just because they're so universal and uh, they work good for us. But 
you know, again, uh, I know I say this a lot, but the current that we have on the Missouri River and the Mississippi River, unless you have that type of current, uh, anywhere from one or two to six or eight, ten mile an hour sometimes, uh, you can't imagine, uh, you know, we go down to Ohio or something, fish in Kentucky and, and uh, you know, we're using two, three ounces of weight all the time and, and uh, it's rare, very rare that you can use that on, on the water we fish. Uh, now, we, if we go up Salt River or something, we can do that, but uh, if we're using that kind of if we're in that kind of current, most of the time we're using no rolls or, or uh, something to that effect, and uh, we're after channel cat or we're in a place where they don't have wing dikes and, and uh, real fast current. So uh, that's that's how we do it, and uh, I know everybody's got a different way of doing it. Used to use a lot of egg sinkers, and I still have a bunch of them. And uh, but again, uh, on the Mississippi and everything, if you put a, a six out egg sinker and you cast all your three or four lines out uh, they're all going directly behind the boat and they just won't won't hold a lot of times we're you on uh, below the Clarksville dam or below the alt dam or something we're using 20 24 ounces of weight uh, along with half a skipjack or a whole shed or something like that just to get it to hold and, and uh, people find that just unbelievable but that's what it takes uh, in our water doing good so you you use sinker slides with uh, some of your rods and, and setups, or just yes, yeah, I, we use sinker slides a lot, and uh, the yellow ones that Dave's got at Bottom Dwellers, they're excellent. They're probably the best I've ever used. Um, I had some black ones one time from one of his competitors, and I may even got some lighter weight ones for him. And uh, about the second time when you're casting in with brad with braided line. If you have heavy weight, they'll go. Them weights will go singing off into the wild blue, and you'll be without it. And you're liable to hit somebody's boat or or something else. So the yellow ones that, that Dave sells uh, are something similar to that. Are the only ones that I've found with the amount of weight that we use that will do any good. Uh, now we lot, sometimes we we use uh, we use an old rolls. We'll use uh, rubber bumpers that he handles, and we also use beads. Uh, down below the knot, or right above the knot on the swivel, to keep them from banging into the to the knot, and messing them up, and those work really well. Uh, I know a lot of guys use other things now. Uh, on the leader, a lot of times, uh, especially if I'm bouncing, uh, I'll put one of those uh, uh, small uh, corks on there, or bobber, whatever you want to call it, to spin the bait uh, right off the bottom. Uh, my belief, and I, and I think a lot of people agree with me, if you can get that bait up, if the fish are right on the bottom and you can get the bait up uh, a couple of feet, they'd much rather come up to get it than go down to get it. Uh, I believe that, and uh, we'll, we'll do some of them where they drag right along the bottom, but uh, uh, probably 50% or more of them will be suspended up off the bottom just a little bit. Okay. Um, Chuck, what about you yourself there? Um, most of the time when I'm in the winter time when I'm doing most of my anchoring, um, we usually use no rolls. Uh, if I have to go above, you know, six ounce or so, if the current's really bad, uh, if they've got the um, trash gates open and stuff like that on the Tennessee River, we've we've even used. Um, 
railroad spikes to even try to keep it on bottom because you know that you know they're available you can get buckets of them and uh, usually can get them cheaper than lead and I've I've had them that they'll stick pretty good and I'll make them to where if they do get hung they'll break off and I won't lose very much but you know most of the time um, you know if the current's that bad I'll go ahead and just find me an eddy somewhere and just try to get out of it and that's usually where the fish are anyway. They don't like being out in that real, real heavy current for long amounts of time. They'll run in and out. But uh, when I'm drifting, uh, I'll use a no-row steel and a, a like a Carolina-type steel, and I'll use uh, bank seekers. Um, if I use if I use three ways, I usually go ahead and use a bank seeker because um, I'll I'll keep it. You know, four foot off the bottom anyway, or so, and um, so there's no if you, any any weight's going to get hung usually if you drift into a tree or um, you know a trot line like you do about every hundred yards where I'm at. But uh, yeah, that's mostly what I buy is no rows and bank seekers. I keep I keep a couple of uh, small bins full of regular egg sinkers in case I want to whip me up a slinky weight or something. If I'm going to be doing some back bouncing and some back dragging, they seem not to uh, hang up as bad, but um, they'll still hang up a pretty good bit. Uh, I've got some pink uh, pencil weights on order. I'm going to try those. I didn't order many because I don't know how I'm going to like them, so I just ordered me a little handful to see how they're going to work. Okay. Yeah, myself, um, for a long time I used no rolls. Um, I started using some of the sinker slides with uh, with the, the same kind of sinkers that uh, um, Lyle was talking about with uh, bottom dwellers. That he had his own specific mold made for bottom dwellers. And I used a lot of those. I bought a lot of his, his mold. And I bought them anywhere from, I think I got them from like 2 ounces all the way up to 10 ounces. Um, here lately with, the reason the reason that people get sinker slides, I think, and the reason why I got them, to be quite honest, is, is the ease of changing out different weights for different scenarios. Um, so if you have a scenario where you feel like 3 ounces is, is all you need, you can take off your... Eight ounces that you had on there before, and put three ounces on if you're going to sling it out a little bit or something, and and fish a little differently. Um, you just don't have to tie on a new, uh, you know, a new sinker every single time you want to change out your weights. Um, honestly, here lately, I've I've been having you know, with, I've been doing a lot of uh, lake fishing and things where I'm casting out and stuff, and and even flathead fishing a lot and I'd say for flathead fishing specifically too I would not use the sinker slide it's just one more thing that's going to grab onto something you know logs or, or whatnot um, I I would go back you know I'm, I'm really leaning towards going back towards just using no rolls and just retying them when I need to because um, it really you get to a point where I guess you start tying so many knots in your life where it only takes you 30 seconds to put a knot in and cut one off you know it really doesn't take very long at all um, not only that you know 
every time I put a new sinker on or I put a new set of hooks on or whatever, I normally trim up my line a little bit so that way if I had any nicks or something I might not have noticed, it's a, it's a good time to get them out of there and, and potentially save yourself from losing a fish. So it's another reason why I'm kind of leaning towards doing it uh, as well. But normally before every tournament I go through and I check all my lines and, and everything near my leader. Uh, especially like Jason was asking in chat if he puts his uh, no rolls directly on braid, which, you know, it will, your sinkers will wear on your braid. Um, you definitely want to keep an eye on it. Like, if, if you're like me, I don't care. Every single tournament I go to, I will take my line and I will cut off at least a foot, if not more, where, it, where it's close to the, where it's close to that knot at, where it's been running. And, and I just start, I tie a new knot from there and, and make sure my line is fresh and I don't see any nicks anywhere in the in the near uh, area of it. Um, another type of sinker I use besides the no rolls is, uh, and, and the ones that, um, like I said, that Dave used to sell. Uh, I believe Dave got back into selling weights, so I would guess that he is, is still selling that design again. Um, but also the other type of weights are pencil weights for for what a lot of guys do is uh, is the drifting and dragging on lakes. Um, the pencil sinker, uh, about an ounce, maybe uh, an ounce and a quarter, but normally no more than that. It's normally a quarter ounce to an ounce is your normal pencil sinker for dragging the lakes for channel catfish. Um, that's sort of the, the design that we've been using for that. Um, now, I believe, you know, me and Lyle and Chuck talked a little bit before. I don't think Chuck has ever uh, got into making his own sinkers. Um, but myself, I have. Lyle, I believe, said he has. So, uh, you know, changing it over to the making side, making a sinkers, it, there's... There's... Um, quite a bit to it I mean there's there's definitely a safety concern there's a lot of there's a lot of dangers when making your own lead um, there's a lot of people that's been seriously injured there's guys you know that have been blinded and, and other things that you know it's just it's something that you don't want to take lightly you want to make sure that you're sober that you know what's going on that you you have a, a good idea of what you're doing um, you know, basically you could get just a couple drops of water in a boiling pot of lead and you're going to see an explosion like you've never seen before. And that melting hot lead is going to get on your skin or whatever else that's around and you're going to be in a world of pain. So it's something that you got to take seriously and you got to be, uh, you got to have the right equipment, you know, be ready for things. Um, but if you can do it, you know, it's definitely a, a fun thing to do to be able to make your own stuff to save a little bit of money um, you know especially a lot of my buddies during the winter time when we don't have anything to do you know we basically go and have a sinker making day you know I mean it's just something to think about some catfishing getting ready for the future um, the future season and, and you know have something to do but um, I'll let I'll let the I'll let Lyle talk a little bit about his sinker making experience and whatever he has to put on there. Well, I I have a, a pretty good supply for lead and and uh, they're really good uh, about 
getting me lead. At, you know, I basically get it for free. Uh, I got to make them some sinkers for it, but I've got all kinds of molds and uh, everything under the sun except the ones like Dave has, uh, and, and they're great. They're a great sinker. If you're buying sinkers, uh, give old Dave a call. Tell him you heard about it from us. Uh, he'll know what you're talking about because he sold all of some of those, uh, and they really do work. They work really well. But uh, I, you know, I've been making sinkers since I was a kid uh, with my brother and. Uh, his father-in-law, uh, of course, lead used to be readily accessible and you could get it all the time, but uh, you, you need to, uh, I use a candle and smoke the insides of the of the uh, mold so that uh, stuff don't stick to them and, and uh, that helps a little bit and, and make sure that you uh, keep, them, keep the molds hot enough and uh, that way when you're pulling it down in it, but lead is very dangerous. And uh, there's a thing here about Dave that messed up and his hands really bad. I, I don't remember Dave saying that he messed his hands up, but I know that he had some health concerns from breathing uh, all the lead. But at one time he was making just tons and tons of lead. He uh, he he did actually. He poured so much lead for so long that he lost the nerve or the feeling in in his hands. And he and he, you know one of the things that he told me was that. The reason why he stopped was because he, you know, holding his daughter, you know, he, he couldn't feel, you know, he couldn't take his hands and run his hands through his daughter's hair and feel her hair, and yeah, you know, it's just things where, you know, the quality of life doesn't doesn't warrant doing something for a little bit of money or, you know. Right, and I know he was spending hours a week, uh, uh, going and and trying to buy lead because he was just doing so much. Uh, and that's that's what you have to do when you're in the business to do that. But for the average guy, like you was talking a while ago, uh, get a few guys together and everybody throw their bait together and, and uh, have at least one person in your group that's extremely familiar with making sinkers. Uh, you, you don't want to just start practicing on your own uh, without anybody knowing how to do it because you're going to get yourself in trouble. And if it's hot part of the, the year, uh, just a sweat bead off your forehead will explode in a pot of lead. Um, what I use is a, is a turkey cooker, sets real low to the ground. I've got a uh, big aluminum cast pot, and I put everything in there, and I'll melt all my weights down and get all the dirt and metal out of it and uh, pour it into muffin tins, and I'll store it in five-gallon buckets that way that I can move with a two-wheel dolly because I can't lift them. And... Um, then once I get all that cleaned up, then we'll go to melting lead and pouring sinkers. And uh, you get two or three guys doing that, uh, it goes pretty quick. You don't want to get your handles too hot. You can't hold on to them. A good pair of leather gloves is a necessity. And when I say a good pair of leather gloves, what I use and what I recommend everybody use uh, is welding gloves. They're the best I've found uh, for this situation. If you if you're doing uh, making sinkers, they work really well. Uh, I've used them for years, and and uh, it gets along get along with them fine. But even welding gloves will get hot, and they'll get hot enough that you can't hardly stand to have your hands in them uh, if you're doing a, a lot of it. So, like I say, two three guys use two or three different molds. Uh, keep you gotta keep it hot, and you gotta keep your mid. Your, your uh, lead mel uh, melted to where it flows easy down those, but if your mold's not hot, then uh, 
it won't uh, it won't go in there. It won't fill up the cavities. Uh, I, I can't think of anything else right offhand. I've got something's liable to come through me in a minute, but uh, I can't think of anything else. The thing that you got to keep in mind is safety. Uh, lead will hurt you in the worst kind of way, and if you're not paying good attention, and, and please, uh, if you've never done it, don't just start trying it by yourself. Get somebody that is uh, experienced to be there with you to make sure that uh, nobody gets hurt. Yeah, I've heard, um, you know, people have done it in their basement, and they have used lead from, like, old batteries and stuff that have been mixed with other chemicals, and it has, you know, come the fumes have come upstairs and have actually stifled their children where they've, their children have choked before and stuff. I've heard some really bad stories, but... Yeah, I can't um, imagine that. Yeah, you should yeah. you should never do the the lead making. It should always be in a, a well ventilated area, if not outside. I've always done mine in my garage with the garage door open and a fan blowing. Um, normally, I set even in the driveway. I'm not even in the garage, and uh, y you know you definitely don't want to be breathing those fumes in in a basement or anything like that. Uh, I, you know, I heard it, you know, even if you're sweating and a drop of sweat uh, actually drops into the kettle or your melting pot, that it could actually cause an explosion. Yeah, the, any any water, I mean a drop of water, it doesn't take very much at all to, to spit out that hot molten lead. And, that, and you think of that piece of lead gets on your skin, it doesn't just burn you and be done with it. It keeps burning. I mean, it it's something that... You don't want to. You don't want to have happen. You don't want to see the bad effects of it. No, it, it'll it'll burn right into you. Yep. And uh, we do. We're going to go back a little bit. We had a question in the chat that said uh, they asked us, "Do we always use the smallest sinker the current or bait will allow, or do we use or do we think large weights versus small weights matter?" I myself, I, I. Uh, I don't think it makes too much of a difference depending on how your set your rig is set up. You got sinker slides or no rolls or anything where that line can flow through that through that sinker where that sinker is not really going to make much of a difference on whether that fish bites that hook or not. Um, it's only going to depend on whether they're light biting, I guess, and, and feel a little bit of resistance and come off of it. But I don't think it's that big of a difference. I I've been out at, at my lake and. Since I had, like I told you, you know, before I used the sinker slides, I might have had six ounces on a rod, and I didn't, you know, it's just laziness, I'll be completely honest with you. <laughs> I didn't feel like changing my six ounces over to three ounces or two ounces, so I just slung six ounces out in the lake and, and would catch my two-pound channel cats like that. You know, I mean, to me, it, it never made a difference at all. I could use whatever weight I wanted to because it's more about, you know the the leader and and the um, the bait that you're using and getting it in front of them than what kind of weight you're using. I know in drifting, I like to have at least normally six ounces, even with little to no current. I want that line as straight down as possible, and normally six ounces is about the minimum that I go with. So Lyle or, or Chuck can chime in and if they well, want on that. You know, uh, one of the, one of the best. One of my favorite people of all times is Harold Dodd, and and uh, Harold and, and we've had Jeff on the show, and Harold and Jeff are not related, as far as I know, but but Harold's an older guy, and and he's caught some absolutely monstrous fish, owns brownwater catfishing down southern Missouri, and and uh, Harold and I was in a boat fishing one day, and and he said if you pick up anything at all today from me, 
this is your dead sticks or your side rods that goes out the side of your boat. If you learn anything at all, make it be the point that those need to be straight down, whether it takes one ounce of weight on your drift or whether it takes 20 ounces of weight. They need to be straight down. That way you know, uh, if you know how deep your water is, you know how far off the bottom that line is. And uh, and I took him at his word. Yeah, on uh, using minimum amount of, amount of weight, uh, actually on reservoirs when... Uh, when the power company is, you know, uh, moving the current for us, uh, you don't have a, a river type flow. Um, and in the winter time, when we find some very nice structure to um, pretty much do a um, a precision type anchoring on, uh, I, I'll do a lot of free lining. I, w I won't use a weight at all, and I'll use some heavy parts of the skipjack, like you know, the head. And it will actually stay back behind the boat. <clears throat> it won't go to the bottom, and it'll it'll have a lot of movement to it. But even with a circle hook, you have to pay a lot of attention because they will still swallow the hook before you know they're on there. It's a good way, you know, to get them on. Um, you know, that they'll they'll take it a lot quicker than they will with it being on the bottom. But you're taking more of a chance on getting a, a throat hook when you do it that way, but I've been very successful just freelining um, when I'm out in the reservoir with a slight current. So you're saying no, no weight at all, right? Just using basically your bait as your weight. Correct. And you know the the you know the catfish there, you know you're around some structure and you know you find the bait fish. The bait fish aren't uh, you know directly on the bottom. You know they're on up in the uh, river channel so the, the catfish are up under the bait fish you know they're dying off or they're waiting on striped bass to, to hit them and the parts to fall on them so you free line those skipjack parts or those shad parts and uh, you know they'll they'll just wave around with a lot of action to them and um, you know you just let them free line wherever they want to go and you you pretty have you have a lot of good success doing that way. You just got to be careful that when you see your line moving, that uh, you go ahead and reel in and do a nice easy sweep on them, um, or just start reeling. And uh, because if you don't get him quick, he'll he'll have a um, he'll have it down his throat before you know it. Yeah. And back on the back on the lead making or sinker making. Uh, uh, subject uh, we were talking a little bit about um, getting getting the mold hot Lyle, Lyle mentioned uh, uh, making sure you get that mold hot I know there's a couple different things that people do um, your first sinkers you start pouring in for for making sinkers your first batch or two they're gonna come out they're probably gonna have a lot of waves in them they're not gonna look right at all that's because that mold hasn't got hot enough yet um, basically that that lead is 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 cooling too fast before the rest of the lead gets poured in. What a lot of guys will do, like myself, what I did, is I'll, you'll actually, the, the entrance point where you pour your lead in, it's not a very big hole. You can actually drill that hole out so you can get the lead in there a little faster, uh, which is what I've done and I believe a lot of other guys have done. Um, you get that lead in there faster, it gives you a nice cleaner uh, pour. 
But like if you start pouring lead and you start, you know, pulling them out, you see a lot of wrinkles and you're wondering why that's happening. That's either that your uh, your lead isn't hot enough or your your mold isn't hot enough. Normally it's one of those two things. Um, uh, brown cap fishing is also said don't let it get too hot or it won't cure well in the mold, mold as well. So you, you gotta you gotta go both ways with it. I, I I don't remember an exact temperature that you want to have it at, but there is a a sweet spot area. Um, I know that Lee makes a couple different molds, and they got a temperature thing, I believe, on them. It's like a 10-pound mold and a 20-pound um, mold drip. Um, our uh, production pot is what they're called, Lee Production Pot, I believe. Um, and uh, one of the other questions that we had is, what's the best way to smooth out the ends of the sinkers that you make yourself? Uh, the tags, you normally break them off. We normally have a pair of pliers, and you're only going to get one. I only get one tag in the other side. I never really had any problems with where you pull your pull pin through, having having to file it or anything. But we keep a, a big file on hand, and we pull the we pull the tag we pull the tag off with the pliers, put them in a bo bottle or a bucket of water or something like that, and then uh, when we pull them out of the water, we just take the file. To that back end of them where the tag was hanging on, and it, you know, it's a, a fine, a finer grate file that will just file it down because normally it's not very much that's on there. Just get any sharp parts off of it. I don't know, Lyle, you got anything else on that? We use side cutters. Uh, you know, normally you can just get some of those that have the flat sides on them, and you can snip them tags off right next to the sinker, and that's all we ever, ever use on them. I know a lot of other guys that. Uh, that file them and do different things, but uh, you know, <laughs> we we lose a few around here, so I don't spend the time. Uh, we really don't have hardly ever have any tags, but if we do, we usually just sit there with a set of side cutters and snip them off and put them back in the lead pot and go on. That's another thing is that if you take you take your sinkers and you put the whole thing in the in the bucket of water, you you basically dump your whole your whole uh, mold in the water and you cool it off and uh, I've seen guys do this too they just didn't think about it they go and they pull them tags off with a pair of pliers or whatever and they dump it immediately into their their pot well that that tag still has the water on it that you dumped it in and you're gonna get that explosion that we we're talking about you gotta now, make sure that you dry those and are you talking about putting your sinkers in water after they come out of the mold mm-hmm I, all I do is put you know I dump them out right on a concrete floor, leave them set till they're cool. Mm -hmm. I don't ever, that. I don't ever put them in water. I'm not going to take that chance. I know what water does when it hits lead. I don't, I'm not too sure what that lead's going to do when it hits the water. And uh, I never did do that. That's the first time I've ever heard of that, actually. Now we we do that quite a bit. Just a, it's just a faster cooling on the right, lead. Right. You know, I used to not in that big a hurry. We're not well. Well, we are and we are, you know. Like well, I said, normally it's during the winter. Four guys in there. Uh, most of the time, I'm either doing it by myself or my brother's over, and and him or I, you know, one morning I think we've melted up a hundred and some pounds and and made sinkers until it just got so hot we couldn't stand it. But uh, you know, one of us is pulling the molds and the other is snipping the tags off and stacking them up. But we both got welding gloves on and and uh, we just you know leave them out there on the concrete till they're cooled and. And go from that, but uh, you know we're really you know, we're never in a big rush. 
we're kind of easy on it. But I've never heard of Dumplin' Mint Water. Yeah. Well, I've, had, I've had old timers, uh, you know, tell me in the past up at the campground where I was raised to uh, always leave your lead outside in rainwater. They would actually take big hands full of leaves and crumble it up into the rainwater in their buckets because they were saying that the fish can actually smell the uh, the chemicals and the, the stuff on the lead. So they like to keep their lead outside and whether they would never bring it inside or keep it in their boat or anything. They would keep it exposed and try to get as much sense and stuff off of them as it could. That makes sense. I, I mean, I can see it, but I, I won't say that I buy that at all. <laughs> Out of all the fish that are caught and all the sinkers that we we pour and, and even being fresh sinkers and stuff, I don't think they smell at all that or they're worried about it. And I think they you probably have whatever bait you have. It's putting off more scent than anything, and that's the scent that they're uh, worried about. Mine gets so wet, and, you know, we stack them up. We... we take uh, the Folgers coffee cans, the Maxwell coffee cans, they're plastic now with lids on them, and, and we'll do uh, three-ounce egg sinkers until we get one full, and then we'll do whatever other size or style we need, and I've got these things lined up in the garage of, of every possible kind, and after some of them sit there for a while and I never use them, I'll end up melting them down and make them into something else if I'm not using them, but, you know, we've got everything from the little bitty uh, egg sinkers that are probably, what, half ounce? and no rolls the same way uh, up to eight ounce of, of the biggest that you could get and uh, but bank sinkers uh, that's the main thing that I use in heavy current and and when you go to making a 16 or a 20 or even a 24 ounce sinker uh, you go through some lead pretty damn quick mm -hmm. uh, every time you pour a 16 ounce sinker that's a pound of lead so uh, you better have a pretty good supply if you plan on making very many of them. That was that was another thing I was going to tell people about. Some of the ways that you can get the lead for making your own sinkers um, is you can go to tire shops. You can you can talk to the manager or owner of the tire shops and ask them if you can buy their wheel weights. Uh, but know that when you get if they give you a five-gallon bucket or even a half, you know, half of a five-gallon bucket, it's going to be pretty heavy. But only about anywhere between a quarter and a half of that is going to be real lead. Um, so try to keep that in mind. A lot of guys, you know, they're. I've noticed that when I did it, they were actually, you know, they they'd tell me what they were normally getting them at their scrapyard when they'd take a bucket to the scrapyard. It might be ten bucks or twenty bucks or something like that. Just tell them, you know, you'll match it and and uh, maybe throw a couple bucks on it or whatever it is, and normally it's going to work out better than buying clean lead or anything like that. But you do have to do a bit of work uh, cleaning it out and, and getting all the bad weight out of it and the iron and things like that. That, that uh, And that's another thing is that the certain metals that it has in there, they'll melt, but they'll melt at a higher temperature. So you got to make sure you don't have your... your pot set too high to where it's melting other types of metals and not lead. Uh, but also, uh, brown catfishing said, uh, don't pour your molds while it's raining. I've actually had that. Ha that only time I've ever had a spillage, really, was I was sitting out in my driveway, and it just just started sprinkling, and, and a couple drops got on there, and it, it, sh it shot some lead all over the place, and I unplugged it and 
got away from it. You know, I didn't bother trying to get it out of the rain. I didn't mess around. I just unplugged it and got away from it. And, uh, you know, pretty much just let it dry off, put it back in the garage, let it dry out for a couple days or more before you start turning it back on. And um, One one thing, Chris, uh, while you're on the subject of wheel weights, um, I'll pass this along because it's something that I do. I'm affiliated with a guy that a group that gets me wheel weights and, and uh, whenever I'm around if I if they got two or three buckets they'll give them to me now what I do is I don't usually have to pay them for them I will trade about sinkers I will make them some sinkers a bunch of these guys go fishing and they'll let me know what kind they want and uh, you know it doesn't take long most of these guys are bass fishermen or they're fishing catfish in a lake where there's no current so they don't require a lot of heavy heavy weights and and uh, you can take them uh, you know, a half a, a bucket of, of poured weights that are very small and, and it'll last them uh, two or three years for a group of them where you and I would go through that many in the summer. And uh, these guys are thrilled, though, happy to work with you to make sure that you've got plenty so they can have plenty. So you know, there's a lot of good, and plumbers, plumbers and people that's tearing down old houses, uh, you know, uh, when they strip that old plumbing out of them houses, there's a lot of lead in those, too. Yeah, and that's I think that's a lot to do with the area. You know, everybody's going to be, it's probably going to be a little different. I know in my area, when I went around looking for, you know, looking at tire shops specifically, some of the things that I was facing was basically competition with uh, the bullet makers. The guys who make their own bullets and stuff will be going around to those guys too. So, yeah, they're, they're uh, the reloaders guys. Those are going to be... Uh, uh, you know, I, and so the guys that I talked to, none of them fished, you know, because I offered that. I said, you know, I'll, you know I, I had to give a couple guys, uh, you know, a few bucks for their buckets of lead because they were they were more interested in what they'd get for them at the scrapyard than, than what I could make for them or, you know, or, or what other guy was going to be there shortly because, he, you know, he comes every, every month to pick them up or whatever. So one thing you can always count on, no matter what, cash is king. Yeah. And cash will talk when nothing else will work. Yeah. But it, there's a, you know, there there is lead on eBay and things like that that you can buy the clean lead and stuff like that, but you're definitely going to be paying a lot more. Um, you go into your bait shops, though, and you start looking at how much, you know, a pound of, of any of their weights is costing, and, and you're going to, you'll realize real quick that there is, you know, money to be saved by doing it yourself. I mean, but you just got to have the knowledge and, and the uh, the time to, you know, put into figuring out what you need to do before you just start doing it. You can, uh, it, it, I believe I'm right on this. I, you can still go down and pay market value for lead and bring it home and melt it and ch and make your own cheaper than you can buy them. Is, can you still do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought you could. Uh, I know some guys that, that do that, and I know Dave and I, uh, a year or so ago, we had talked about when he was driving. He was driving massive amounts uh, and picking up this lead from all over the place in, in hundreds of pounds at a time. And, and uh, uh, at that time, I knew you could, but I, I didn't know what the – I don't know what the going cost uh, for lead is per pound now. I don't know. I know that I've been into a, I've been into a bait shop where I've seen a six-ounce sinker selling for two fifty. Mm. One – Oh, One six-ounce right. sinker. Wow. Yep. 
And you talk well, to that guy, and he'll say, oh, it costs a lead. And I'm like, it ain't that much. I know that. Uh, that's gold prices. <laughs> Holy crap. You know, there's, there, that's just one of those things, though. I mean, like I said, you definitely, if you're going to get into the, the to doing your own sinkers, don't just go out and start doing stuff. That, it's not one of those things that's worth where you make one little mistake and you're going to pay for it for a long time, you know, for the rest of your life. So, Yeah, like I said before, the best thing to do is find somebody that's experienced at them and let them spend an afternoon with you. They'll, most of these guys enjoy doing it. You know, and, and I do. You know, Mark and I will sit down, and we'll have the greatest morning ever just sitting there shooting the breeze and making sinkers. But you ha you really need to learn from someone that, that knows how to do it. Don't try to just go out and, and figure it out on your own because lead is dangerous. All right, guys, we're a little past halfway here, so I am going to go ahead and we'll, get, we'll do this whiskerware giveaway. So let me get my screen share on here. Actually, let me get some things ready. But um, also, I want to mention that last week, Jason Huggins, I did not put him in the, the for the prize pack, and he did have his thing in in time, so his entry in in time. So this week, I gave him a bonus entry because I didn't have him in last week. I will I will take the bonus entry away after this week though, but uh, the names that we got for this drawing I'm gonna go ahead and change it over on the screen. Oh, not wrong button. Too many buttons. All right, sharing my screen here. The names that we have on the list for the giveaway: Teresa and Dave, Robert Tallman. Melinda Jackson, Jason Malone, Jason Malone Super Fan Bonus Entry, the Ronald Workman, John Harden, Scott Meyer, Seth McAllister, Jason Huggins, the Jason Huggins Sorry Entry, and Brown Catfishing. So are you saying he's just sorry? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know Jason, so, you know, yeah. he's a great guy. All right. So I'm going to do the same thing I did last time. I'm going to randomize this five times. Whoever's name is number one on the list after five on the fifth time will be the winner. So here we go. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. And here we go. Number five, Robert Tallman. Robert Tallman is the winner of this week's Whisker Wear Apparel giveaway, which is going to be, I believe, a short sleeve or a long sleeve uh, shirt, a decal, and a koozie. So. Well, them are great prizes. They'll really enjoy them, and Robert is on nearly every week, so uh, that's, he's a good guy to win. Yep, definitely. Definitely a good, good winner there. Um, Robert, I will get with you, and I will, I will get you uh, Whisker Wears information, so that way you can get with them and pick out what jersey and everything, or what uh, shirt you want, and we'll get that all set up after the show. Um, also, I want to do uh, for the Angler Spotlight for this week. I have four people. 
I just want to let everybody know that we actually do have a lot of people posting pictures on here, and I really, really appreciate it. And I and I'm gonna I'm gonna if it's up to me and if I can do it, I'm gonna get every one of you guys' names out here on the show. So uh, for the for the next few weeks or whatever, I'm gonna do three or four people on each one. I'm just gonna tell you thanks for posting and keep keep the posting. Uh, on Catfish Weekly site up, you know, keep posting pictures and everything. But uh, this week we have Jesse Pigeon, Darren Fuller, Cody Lanter, and Brian Rotman. So thank you to you guys for posting on the Catfish Weekly site, posting the pictures. Um, keep posting them up, like I said. We really appreciate it. We're glad you guys are watching the show and enjoying it. Yeah, Darren and Jesse are both past winners. For They received a scale last month, each one of them. Did they really? Oh, yeah. All right, good deal. Get us a picture using the scales of all them big fish. That's why I told them. They, they, matter of fact, they both have a, a younger sons in their, uh, you know, between, they look, you know, between four and eight in that age range, and uh, their son's going to be using the scales. And I told them to start posting some pictures with, uh, with some weights using the scales. So I haven't, I haven't been able to look in the past couple of days to see if they posted any with the scales, but. Uh, they're really excited about getting them. You know, I, I know we're talking about sinkers and stuff, but um, has anybody noticed all of the the youngsters that have been posted pictures on Facebook and different places lately of all the kids with these great fish? Oh, yeah. uh, you know, Matt Bradford's uh, Bedfeld's uh, daughter uh, yesterday, I believe it was, he posted a real nice picture of her with flat, a nice flat head and Milan sights. Uh, uh, Tim just posted a picture just a few minutes ago of, of Milan with a really nice fish, and and there's been a lot of others throughout the country, not you know not in Missouri necessarily or or Alabama or anywhere, but uh, there's a lot of kids. I noticed over in your area, Chris, there's been several youngsters with some great fish being caught, and uh, you know this is this is one of the things that we've really strived to to get over in the last few years is you got to get these kids interested. Uh, in our sport, and, and I'm very happy to see these pictures, and you guys need to get those pictures on the Catfish Weekly site and uh, get those youngsters to win in these prizes. Uh, you know, do anything you can to keep them interested in catfishing. And I'll, and I'll even tell you right now, for for the Catfish Weekly, you got a picture of your kid bass fishing or anything like that, post it up there. I don't care if it's not catfish. you got your kids fishing out there, post some pictures up of your kids. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard for a kid, uh, you know, with their attention span to actually sit there and watch the tip of a rod and nothing going on. So with today's uh, with today's technology of the video games and stuff, it it is really hard for kids to be out and 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 be fishing and doing something that isn't, you know, Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or you know whatever video game, you know, Call of Duty. All the all the different games and stuff that they have, all the technology that's out there, you know, getting kids outside and doing stuff is is something we got to be doing. You know, I, I'm even if you, you got them little toys like that, or they're not. I guess they're not toys. Adults play with them. But if you got these handheld things, if the fishing's not up to speed, let them take it out in the boat with them. If they drop it in there, you'll buy them another one. You know, the thing is, keep them interested enough that they'll at least go with you. If they don't want to get in that boat. And go fishing with you now. They're not going to want to later. So uh, if that means taking out a, a video game or, or something, uh, 
if you got to get uh, a plug in to plug it into your cigarette lighter, so be it. If the fish is slow, let them play that. But when the fish bite, make sure that they're the get to be the one that reel that baby in. Yeah. Uh, back on uh, some subjects that we got. We got deep water fishing. Let's talk about the deep water fishing a little bit. Um, some of the things with deep water fishing uh, is going to be, especially, and I, I guess I'm thinking in the drifting part of deep water fishing, um, keeping your line straight down can get a little difficult when you're dri drifting 40, 50 foot of water. A lot of things that will we'll play into that, believe it or not, are, are your uh, line diameter, the type of line you're using. Like monofilament will grab water more than braid most of the time, so it's going to drag behind a little further. Um, you're going to need to use more weight, most likely, to help keep it straight down. <laughs> Brown Catfishing says that, uh, back on the kids real quick, he said that uh, fill your live well up and let them go swimming. <laughs> you know, us catfishermen got big live wells, so they actually could probably do that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the... Uh, the um, the weight and everything for for helping keeping your lines down the the uh, type of line you're using uh, you could be drifting 20 foot of water and then all of a sudden you hit 50 foot of water doing the same speed and everything like that and your your lines start pulling back behind you some more and that's just because of you know the different things that you have for uh, for gear you know your line and, and how much weight you're using before just might not be enough in that deep water plus I'm not I'm not positive that you know in deeper water like that you know, there's a different current that might be further below than where, you know, the 20 foot of water is. Well, it goes down that thing. You know, one of the things that I do, and you, you can take this with a grain of salt, just because I say it doesn't mean it's the right way to do it, but a lot of times if we're fishing an area that has very deep drop-offs, uh, say you're going from 20 or 25 feet to 40 or 60, uh, and then you go a little ways and you're back up to 20 and then back to 40 or whatever, We'll get down to one rod. It uh, won't be a side rod. It'll be a back bouncing rod. We'll drift through them, uh, hand, hand rodding, and uh, once we're past that area, then we'll go back to putting a dead stick out because you can't hand rod and sit there and let out line on a dead stick. I mean, it's just too much stuff to do when you're, when you're fishing. So get down to one rod. It'll make it easier for you. You can also keep a couple out and leave them out at 17 foot, you know, 15 foot. When you come over those uh, the edge of those ledges, um, off of those 20-foot ledges down into 35-foot, they're usually they're waiting on it also. Absolutely. So you don't have to be on the bottom. They feed from the bottom to the top. So, um, you know, always have one in there. And when you're uh, drifting uh, deeper water, I always use the exact same weight on every rod. Um, if you don't, um, you have more of a chance on one line getting back into the other one. So m make sure every rod has the exact same weight. Um, because, you know, if it looks like it's barely slanting when it's going in the water, you know, when you get down to that, you know, a lot of times I drift 65, 70 foot when I'm up on the Tennessee River. And that, that little bit of a slant, believe it or not, that that rod, if it's going to, toward a back rod, your baits are very close together, if not if it hadn't passed it. So if you use the same same size weight all the way around the boat, 
they'll all be leaning the same or they'll all be straight down the same and you ha don't have to worry about them getting wrapped up until you get the big one on. Another thing to think about, like along with that, but when you're anchored up fishing, uh, so let, well, let's say you're, you're using your fish finder, you mark fish. Um, you might be used to maybe fishing 20, 30 foot of water and where you cast your line at and where your line's going to go. Well, once you get into that 50, 60 foot of water, 70 foot of water or more like that, you also have to remember when you cast that pole, your line's going to pull back towards you. I'm, I mean, you're, you might think that you're casting, you know, way far out there, but in all reality, you might be literally 10 foot behind your boat, if that, once it hits the bottom. So you need to make sure that if you're targeting fish and, and you're you're doing a uh, a targeted anchor lock for for where you're casting your line, uh, deep water, you need to make sure that you're sitting a little closer to where you uh, think you might need to be, so that way you can get that that bait in front of where them fish were sitting at. If that makes sense. One of the things that I've learned on anchoring that people do when uh, when they're letting their rope out is they'll mark a spot and, and if they're not paying attention they will actually let enough rope out that they're past where the fish are and that, that's something that it can work in reverse on what you're talking about when you're casting out uh, you know a deep pole at water you're right the, the bait and your sinker will go down below and you're not nearly as far out in the water as you think they are. We've got a couple other questions what temperature do you guys see the thermocline up here usually? And if, to, for me, that depends on on uh, how hot the temperature is, how, how cold the water is coming down from the north. A lot of different variables. Uh, right now, I haven't even noticed the thermocline. Well, thermocline, most of the time, you're only going to see in, in your lakes or rivers that don't have a lot of flow, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, Ohio so, ought to have one. But, you know, there's that? the Ohio River at different times I'm sure it has a thermocline because if there's a lot of times it doesn't have hardly any current in it. <laughs> I've never seen a thermocline on the Ohio River. I'd be surprised. I just really wouldn't. I, I've I never been over there when there was over a half mile of current. I, I, I know you guys feel like that thing ain't moving at all, but for us it's moving. <laughs> no, I've never seen a thermocline on the Ohio River. There might have been there might have been guys that, that fish it a whole lot that will tell you they've seen it, but I would say any any uh, any water that moves shouldn't have a thermocline. Yeah, um, thermocline in my lakes, you know, around northern Indiana and, and central Indiana and stuff like that. I think you know it does play into uh, consideration your 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 rains, things like that's going to move your thermocline up and down. Uh, but we just got done fishing a tournament this weekend where where there was definitely a thermocline. Uh, Pre-fished last week, we've seen the thermocline. Um, I would guess anywhere between 80 and 85 degrees, you'll probably start seeing water temp. You'll probably start seeing a thermocline. Uh, most of the time, I believe it's in that 13 to 17 foot range is where you're going to start seeing it at. Um, on your fish finders, some fish finders you're going to need to turn your sensitivity up, and it's just going to look like a bunch of junk. I mean, you're not going to really... You'll definitely see a whole wide area of what looks like debris or something in the water. But if you turn your sensitivity up hard enough, you'll actually see a real hard line in the middle of that junk. And, it, and you might get a, you know, if you turn it up high enough, you might get that harder return off of it. But I've seen, you know, when we were drift or when we were out on uh, Hardy Lake, this in this southern Indiana, you know, we've seen 
I could clearly see the hard line of the thermocline, and there's, you know, there's an area above the thermocline and below the thermocline that the fish will go. Um, but all, the, you know, the thermocline is something that we'll we'll probably do a whole a whole show on and a different top, you know, when we have a different topic. But you know, answering a general question, 80, 85 degrees, maybe a little bit before that, you might see a thermocline. Uh, and that's in my area. I'm not sure if that's everywhere, but I think you're pretty close. Pretty close. We have brown catfish has another one here at Chris. While while we're on this, our our fish boat shine big rivers. I I think it probably will depend on a few factors. It might depend on how shallow the water is. Um, might depend on you know what kind of noise you know your motor's putting off things like that. I, I mean, if if you go flying across an area, well, the a lot of times what I've always been told is that even if they're boat shy, say you got a like four fish sitting in a, a small group on the bottom of the river, you know you come flying by or you even you know drop an anchor on them or whatever it is, uh, them fish basically shoot out in, a, in an outward direction and they just work their way back into that area. I mean, that's all they do is their their first instinct is a shootout motion, you know, get away from that immediate spot, you know, sit there, look around for a second, go back, check out what, what it was, or, you know, I don't think that they're big river shy in, in any more than, you know, any other fish would be if you startle them. But I think most time they're just going to come back to that spot anyway. I agree, and, but but... I also think that they're very aware that that boat's up there, especially on a sunny day. Uh, and and water, water clarity. I'm sorry? With the water clarity? Well, either, yeah, but shadows, I think, affect them because when we're bouncing, uh, our dead sticks, when we're drifting, our dead sticks will be right out the side of the boat. They're going to be heading straight down. But your hand rods, uh, a lot of times, anywhere from... 10 or 15 feet behind a boat to 150, 160 feet behind a boat. And I, I know people are going to say, oh, you can't feel the bottom. Effort. Well, yes, you can. You know, the, the drift rods that we're using, uh, two ounces of weight, 160, 170 feet behind the boat, you can feel the bottom. You can tell if it's sand or if it's mud or, or if it's rock or if you hit something. Uh, and and Rustabore and, and uh, Jason Mathena and Jason, these guys will all tell you, you can feel the bottom. Uh, at that distance, and if you're not that far away from the boat, a lot of days you won't get a bite. They won't bite up underneath the boat, but they'll bite as it comes by after that boat's passed. So, yeah, I think on certain times they are boat shy, and I think other times they're just hungry enough they don't care. What do you think, Chuck? Chuck? Oh, yes. <laughs> So what do you think about that? Uh, but I, I don't really think they're so used to boats, and I just think that you know the noise is the biggest disruption on a fish. They, you know, if you drop a uh, you know a really large sinker in your boat, especially an aluminum boat or something like that, I think that right there ruins your fishing more than just uh, you know. Drifting over an area, they're um, you know they're used to boats coming over all the time. I don't really think that that hurts them, you know. But you know, making a lot of noise, and I think 
using a lot of light at night, you know, and they're not used to all that light at night. And if, if you're using a lot of light in your boat at night, I think, um, you know, that has really hurt me in the past too. So I've, I've really cut down on my light discipline and my noise discipline. I've actually, you know, pulled the anchor and, and moved to a different spot after I've actually dropped, you know, something really loud in my boat because I just felt, you know, got that gut feeling, hey, the big one's gone. I might catch a little one. I'm going to move and try for him out around the corner. Does it make a difference to you how deep of the water you're in? Uh, really, I never, you know, if, if I'm going to fish shallow water, I'm usually uh, on over in the deeper water, casting over into the shallow anyway. Um, you know, when I fan my rods, I, I, I like covering different, you know, different depths anyway. Um, you know, if it's really really clear water um, you know on, on a bright sunny day uh, if, you, if you're drifting you know you're probably moving you know half mile an hour uh, I don't think they're going to notice you um, you know looking straight up whatever um, I don't think it's going to hurt anything you know 30 foot of water yeah if you're in if you're in you know five or ten foot of water very clear I think it really hurt your chances fishing straight down but uh, I, I never get that shallow when I fish. What, what do you consider shallow water? Now, everybody has a different opinion of what shallow water is. What shallow water do you judge? Um, you know, I guess anything under, you know, 15 foot to me. You know, 15, uh, you know, I've, I've fished four before, but, you know, I've actually probably been sitting in 20 when I was fishing the four foot. I've never I can, been. I'd consider five foot or less shallow water. <laughs> no, I, you know, I fish, you know, mostly. When, when I'm fishing the skinny water, you know, it don't get any deeper than probably 30 foot. Um, you know, my, my dead sticks, I'll, you know, I'll keep out at probably uh, the minimum of, you know, 17 foot, you know, something like that. I, I usually don't, you know, try to get any shallower than that. So you're catching them. If you're fishing, you're trying to catch them coming from the deep up in. Yes. Or you know, right? You know, or or just staying right on the, uh, you know, the very very bottom edge of the channel edge, and you know, maybe zigzagging in and out. You know, never going, you know, no further than five up, five foot up the channel edge. I I just stay in that bottom, uh, you know, their their major highway right there at the bottom where they use that structure to find their way and all that. I just stay in that area. Well, for, for me, uh, 20 foot and below is, is shallow water for me. And, mm -hmm. and we fish a lot of 20, 25 foot of water. Uh, and not that it's that shallow, but when these guys are talking about them, them blues and flatheads being up on the bank in two, three, four foot of water, I consider that on the bank. You know, they're on the bank up there chasing shad or bluegill or whatever it is, and they're, that's not shallow water. That They're up on the bank. You know, they're on, a, on the edge of a sandbar. Or they're up near a grass field where the wind has pushed those shad and stuff up in there, and to me, that's just super, super shallow, and I know a lot of guys fish that and are very successful at it, but, you know, I consider under 20-foot uh, shallow water and, and really under 10-foot is very shallow. But when they're up there catching them babies uh, up, up in two, three, four foot of water, and I know a, 
like I say, I know a lot of guys that win tournaments fishing up in there. I have a real hard time of making myself do it, but uh, when that wind's right and them bait fish are up in there, <clears throat> if them fish are feeding, they're going to be up in there after them. Sure. All right, well, we're uh, we're going on a little over an hour now, so we're probably going to go ahead and uh, get a couple things out of the way, and we'll do our closing statements here. Um want to say that we're we sponsor or we partnered up with Catfish Magazine. Uh, if you look on catfishweekly.com on the top right hand side, um, Catfish Magazine is a new magazine that's out. Uh, it's a free digital magazine. It's not a actual in in like retail locations or anything like that, but it's a free. I believe it's a bi-monthly magazine. It'll come out every two months. Um, Catfish Weekly has a nice three full page article in the in the back of the uh, this this month's episode. I believe it's the August episode, um, but there's a lot of good information in there. Um, it's a good magazine. It's free, so if if you you know want to get a free magazine and, and check it out, definitely at least go check out the Catfish Weekly episode or the the issue and look at that. Check that out. Tell us what you think of that and everything. Um, but besides that, you know, get, we want to thank uh, Doug Smith, who's the CEO of, of that, and we appreciate him partnering with us and and getting us in there. And I think every every issue of that magazine, you're going to see a Catfish Weekly uh, advertisement um, from now on. Um, but this 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 month's ep- uh, issue has the uh, full three-page article talking a little bit about Catfish Weekly, what it is, how it got started, what we're doing, everything like that about each one of us as hosts and everything. Um, so check that out. Um, I also want to mention that I'm doing a fantasy football league. <laughs> fantasy football, ten bucks. That's all it is. Ten bucks. There's like I think there's eight or nine spots left open out of ten or twelve, depending on how many people we get. But uh, you know, we're just trying to get some people in that like fantasy football, want to play and have have fun. Ten bucks at the end of it. Whoever gets first place will get seventy percent of the money. Second place will get thirty percent. Um, but if you're interested in doing the, in the, in the fantasy football, get a hold of me on Facebook or give me an email on the top of the banner there, the FUD at catfishweekly.com. Um, I believe that's all I have until I get to my, uh, closing statements. So I'll go ahead and let Chuck start us off with what he's got. Okay, um, Alabama Catfish Trail, we're going to have our next tournament September 6th on Wheeler Lake. We're going to be launching out of Ingalls Harbor. Uh, It's going to be from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. If anybody else, if you need any more information on that, just go to the Alabama Catfish Trail uh, Facebook page. Uh, The rules, the entry fee, all that information is on there. All right, that all you got? That's all I got. All right, Lyle. Well, I'd like to thank Doug uh, also for being a part of this. You know, anybody that hasn't at least taken a look at that magazine needs to take a look at it. It's very professionally done. They have some of the top outdoor writers in the world, Keith Sutton and Chuck Luck. There's just several guys that have wrote some outstanding articles on that, and and it's worth taking a look at. Uh, 
it doesn't cost you anything. If you don't like it, you don't have to go back. But I, I you know, as far as a thing for catfishing, uh, it's every other month. You can't beat that. There's nothing that compares to it. So take your take a minute and just go in there and take a look at it. And, and I, I'm sure you'll be impressed with the with the quality of this this online magazine. Uh, the other thing I wanted to to mention was Whiskerwear Apparel. Got to thank them guys for coming on and helping us out with these giveaways. Uh, these are outstanding products, and they do a really nice job with these these shirts and stuff. And you guys need to make sure you thank them for for uh, donating these prizes for us because it means a lot. And uh, and and they are good folks to deal with. Trust me. Um, Keokuk, Iowa, July 12th, this Saturday. Justin Cat Outdoors will be there. Uh, this ought to be a great tournament. I posted some pictures earlier this week, or yesterday, I believe, uh, of some of the, the blues that they're catching in Flatheads. They're catching up at Keokuk in the last week or so. Uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, a few over 50. Uh, this ought to be an outstanding turnout. So uh, if you get a chance, the tournament starts at 7, ends at 3. Keokuk, Iowa, Southside uh, Boat Club. September 20th will be Quincy, Illinois. It'll be also at the Southside Boat Club in Quincy. Uh, the same deal, $7 to $300 entry. Come down and see us. It's always a great time at Quincy. Them's the most fun people you can be around. Uh, it's just a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, the other thing is, I mentioned all them kids' pictures. Uh, you guys need to keep this in mind, and I know we've been kind of harping on this today, but uh, them kids... There's nothing better than sharing your picture of your child or, or your niece or nephew or, or somebody online. There's not a person that catfishes that don't enjoy seeing those pictures. So keep them coming. And put them on the, the Catfish Weekly page so we can share them with everybody, too. That's all I got, Chris. All right. Good stuff, Lyle. Um, basically, the uh, tournaments that we have coming up in Indiana and the Indiana on the Ohio River basically the bigger tournaments in September is Rising Sun um, that's going to be September 6th and 7th uh, that's fifty dollars per person it's a two-day tournament um, that is in Rising Sun Indiana uh, first place they've added ten thousand dollars or not added I think first place is ten thousand dollars and that's guaranteed there's no fine print there's no you know we're gonna give you something else and tell you that this is what you're going to get when you get here change it up on you anything like that it's ten grand for first place uh, male and female team the best male and female team uh, weight gets a thousand dollars on top of if they get a good place you know they get money for I think they pay out up to twenty five places or so maybe more um, it's normally a very large tournament it's normally hundred and twenty plus boats every year so um, Definitely get your money order in. Look it up. It's uh, OhioValleyRiverCats.com or .org. I can't remember for sure, but it's one of those two. Um, and you'll find all the information you need to print out your application or, or uh, entry entry form. And you can send that in and get, get your place in line. I believe there's uh, 70 or so uh, registered boats right now. Um, also... And September 27th is the Ironman. Chad Wall runs that. That's a $125 entry fee. Um, the Ironman is run in two different segments. It's basically, uh, I think, like it's 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then 5 p.m. to 12 a.m. Um, it's a it's a tough tournament. It's a it's a lot of fishing. 
but it's a great time. I enjoy it. I've been doing it for the past two years. Uh, so you'll definitely see me. You'll see me at Rising Sun. You'll see me at the Iron Man. You'll see me at Monsters on the Ohio. But uh, Rising Sun and Iron Man are the ones coming up in September. So uh, also with the Iron Man, you can you can uh, pre-register to get your place in uh, your boat launch order. I believe he has 10 or 11 boats signed up right now. Um, he had 40 boats last year. Hopefully we'll get that to be uh, over 40 this year and keep growing his tournament. Uh, he has some great, great trophies and some uh, um, Big Fish Award as a, as a replica blue or a replica channel. I can't remember, but it's an awesome prize. I, I haven't seen any other prizes uh, as far as the trophies and the the Big Fish Awards and stuff like that in, 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 in any of the other tournaments. They're really unique. They're really nice. They're fancy. So you can contact Chad Wall or look up Iron Man Tournament on Facebook, either one, and get a hold of him and get your uh, entry fee sent in to him for that. Um, also, uh, advertising for the site. As you can see, we still have uh, spots on the site. Uh, $50 for six months, $30 for three months. You can contact me, uh, fud at catfishweekly.com, and get that set up if you don't have a uh, an, an image or whatever to put there. We can help you get one made up. I do want to thank Indiana Hunter uh, for their for their spot. He also sent me a T-shirt. If you haven't seen that I'm wearing, I'm wearing it today. It's got the Indiana Hunter logo on the front and the back. Uh, they have these for sale on his website. Awesome. So you can go check those out and get yourself an Indiana, Indiana Hunter shirt. Um, I believe the also the, th the thing that I tell you guys every single night is that you know even though each one of us individually are sponsored, um, the show itself is is not ran by any certain corporation or sponsor. It's not dictated by anybody. It's just us talking catfish and having a good time and and spreading the word and really. Uh, you know, getting the word of conservation and getting kids involved and lots of things, just the good parts of catfish and no politics. Um, so, you know, definitely uh, watch the show. Tell your friends to watch the show. Um, we definitely uh, want, you know, as many viewers as we can to, to enjoy what we're doing and be a part of it, get in the chat, talk with us during the show, ask us questions. Um, we do have some guests coming up I can let you know that I talked with uh, Casey Tudoro and John Lamaster, which are, are some really good top Indiana uh, fishing guys. They're going to definitely, they said they'll definitely be on the show. Um, I have a representative from Johnson Outdoors, which is uh, Minn Kota, Lake Master, uh, Humminbird. So if you have questions about, you know, different products or something like that, post them up on uh, um, the Catfish Weekly site and, and ask so that way I can give him some advanced uh time to, to research questions that we might have for him and that way we can get them answered on the show um, so and I know Lyle has the, his buddy that he talked about last week from uh, the Missouri DNR or conservation office there that he, he's going to have on sometime shortly so we're definitely going to get these guys set in stone on a date and we'll let you guys know when these when these guests are going to be on um, but if you have questions for any of them, just post them up on the site, and we'll get you know we'll make sure they, these guys can get these questions answered for you. Well, it does. It takes a little bit to get everybody set up, and and we're trying to get everybody set up to where they can be on the show with us and not on a a phone call. We've done that in the past, but but this just actually works better. Uh, 
one other thing that you know as far as a guess um, Brackel Patrick Kansas City Catfish had a huge tournament last weekend or weekend before and and Danny was I've talked to Danny and about being on the show and he we're going to try to pick out a date and uh, there was 125 boats in that tournament I believe he ended up the winner him and his partner and and uh, we're going to try to get him on there and go over tough fishing uh, they had some really tough conditions and to come in and, and to win that and uh, you know I'm not I, I'm not sure it was over six thousand dollars that's a pretty good payout on the tournament uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention that I forgot and I'm sorry to interrupt you but uh, right. outdoor year-end classic will be October 25th and 26th it's a two-day tournament in Keokuk Iowa this tournament is guaranteed to pay five thousand dollars to the winner there if you are not qualified, you have two tournaments yet to qualify. After that, it will cost you double entry fee to get in the tournament. Uh, so, you know, this weekend and the 20th of September, you need to get in there if you're not already in. I counted here a while back. We've got just tons and tons of people that are already qualified. Everybody that's qualified's name is not on that list. The only people whose names on that list are people that is placed in a tournament. There's a bunch of people that's not on that list that fished the tournament that are qualified, but they didn't turn in a fish for whatever reason. Either they didn't catch nothing, or they didn't think they was in a running, or they wasn't running for points or whatever. So uh, there is just absolutely a bunch of people that, that are qualified for this. So uh, that's going to be a huge turnout. Uh, we've got a deal on motel rooms and stuff. We'll get all this stuff posted. It's going to be a great event. Also, uh uh, don't forget that we do have our new forums up. Our forums, people are registering. Um, we have the super fan uh, package, which is going to get you uh, a super fan icon in the in the, in the uh, forum section. So every time you post, you'll see it. Also, the biggest deal that you're going to get is uh, basically for after you sign up for a year, you'll be uh, double your chances on any giveaway that we do on Catfish Weekly. So as you've seen, uh, Jason. Malone, he's our only super fan right now, but he's getting double chances every week uh, to win one of these Whiskerware prize packs. And we're going to have, you know, a lot of prize packs going on. I believe every month we're going to try to give something away, uh, and, and they can be, you know, up in value up to $200, you know, or more. So, you know, get in there, get your super fan package. You know, it's, it's just helping us pay for the, for the hosting fees, for the uh, chat boxes, things like that that cost us money. Um, so jump in there, do that, you know, or just log on, register on the, on the forums and just start posting in there. If you got tournaments you want to talk about, post them up in the tournament section. Um, there's lots of, there's lots of little forums in there that you could post stuff in. So just, uh, be a part of the group there and, and do that for us. Um, Hey Chris. Yep. Um, while we're on the subject of the forum and stuff, I know we have a lot of YouTube listeners and, and viewers that view the show afterwards. There's a like and dislike button. Hit that. Let us know if you like it. If you don't like it, leave a comment. If we're doing something wrong, we can't make the show better if you tell us. If we're doing something right, uh, that's the greatest reward that we get out of this is somebody saying that you've done something right because we're not, we don't make any, any money off of it. We do this because we enjoy doing it. So leave us a comment. Uh, hit the like, dislike button. Uh, help us make this a better deal for everybody. Yeah, it also reminded me that, you know, we, we had all these Catfish Weekly videos on uh, Paul Ragsdale's account. 
Uh, we since then have moved them all to a different account. It's a cat. It's my account, but it's under Catfish Weekly. So, in order for you to be notified when we post new uh, episodes and things, you're going to need to resubscribe. If you see that subscribe button on there, if it says subscribe, just hit that button on YouTube. Uh, go to the video if you can see on here. It says you can go directly to YouTube to watch it. Um, but hit subscribe on there. Subscribe to the videos, Catfish Weekly videos. Uh, and then you'll get updated every time we post a new episode. Um, so definitely do that. You know, like like Lyle said, hit the thumbs up, thumbs down, leave a comment, let us know how we're doing, what you want to see, uh, what you liked or didn't like about a show, anything like that. But all I got to say to you guys now is uh, stay out of my spot.